to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden of for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access to confidence through our faith through him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. You may be seated. And also, if you're a child, we have a great children's program for four years old through fourth grade. It's optional, but uh, the kids have a good time and also instruction right for them. So in Sunday school, I hear, I wasn't there, but Eugene says that they were talking about the church at Ephesus. Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, called Asia Minor at the time, at least in English. And we're studying a letter written by Paul to that church, the church of Ephesus. And really, one of the themes of this letter from Paul is, is unity. We've talked a little bit about that. But Ephesus was an amazing center of, of uh, Greco-Roman culture. And it was a great place to live if, if you like big cities with lots of things going on, exciting things. Uh, and in the culture, it was significant. They had, they had large uh, amphitheaters. And it was a great, you know, lots of cosmopolitan feel to the place. And it was a place where Roman citizenship was highly valued. Um, and it was a place that was privileged in God's plan because a church was started there by the work of God through the ministry of, of the Apostle Paul. And he was there for three years. Three years. I, 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 yeah, I, I can say this. I, I like to check it myself to make sure this is true, but I'm, this is true. It was the only place where he spent three years as the kind of the senior pastor there, but he was always a little bit uh, as an interim itinerant. In other words, everyone knew he wasn't going to stay. But three years, that's a very long time. And he was the guy chosen by God to be this in this unique position, to be the person through whom a huge amount of revelation came, information, brand new information about God and who God is and what God is doing and what God has done through Jesus Christ. Paul was the guy, literally the guy, chosen for this. And he's, he's the leader of that church for three years. My son-in-law is John. He was uh, singing up here, and he read the Holy Scripture today, and he mentioned Francis Chan. How many have heard that name before? See, that's awesome. Now, let's just go to Francis Chan's church this morning and say, 
Who's heard of Nathan Wren? <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> Who, how, what now? Uh, known, right? He's known, and he's had a huge influence, and his books are multiple million sellers, etc., and, and rightly so. He's got a lot of great things to say. He was, anyway, but what's my point? My point is, imagine having a, a pastor like the Apostle Paul, uh, you know, arguably, honestly, I don't, I don't want to elevate him higher than, than is appropriate, but probably the, you know, secondary to Jesus Christ, <laughs> but probably the most important man in church history outside of Christ himself. I mean, he wrote Romans. <laughs> uh, he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Incredible. Okay, so how do you treat your best guy? How do you, God, how, how do you treat him? You know, you, you must, uh, he must drive a, a Bentley <laughs> or a, a Rolls Royce. I mean, he's got, and he probably stays in the best hotels and has a tailor, and and uh, he gets top, top everything, right? Like the best coffee you know, served to him. How do you treat this guy, oh God? Well, uh, you know, God's retirement plan was a little different. <laughs> And uh, Paul went to Jerusalem, and he got arrested because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and the Jews uh, forced the Romans into imprisoning him in Caesarea. And he was in Caesarea for about two years. Excuse me, God, you're wasting some amazing talent. This guy is the best. Why are you putting him off the grid, into a prison. And um, you know what happened during this time? Uh, the, by and large, the church itself rejected Paul. I mean, there was a lot of gossip about him. There was a lot of stuff like, you know, this guy, he's, he's, he's off the grid. He's something wrong with him. He probably wasn't a real apostle. Um, so then he goes from there, finally... Because he's a Roman citizen, you know the, you know the uh, conversation, he's able to appeal to Rome, so he gets on a ship. Of course, shipwrecked and nearly dies on the way, and he's bitten by a snake. You know, we won't talk all about any about that. Uh, but he makes it to Rome, and he's in Roman prison. And the people who really love him still love him. And some of those people were in Ephesus, in this town of Ephesus. And they're kind of saying, God, how can we be optimistic? We, you know, in the book of Ephesians comes a, a, a verse worthy of a grave marker, worthy of a life verse. And it, it is Ephesians 1.11, if I can turn the page, which apparently I can't. Yes, yeah, now I can. I got this new Bible. I really like it, but the pages are super hard to turn. Got to talk to the manufacturer about that. Ephesians 1, 11, right? Paul wrote this 
after he's, he's been in prison three, four years now. And, and, and he's being uh, off and maligned and he doesn't get any kind of coffee. <laughs> he's not treated well. And this is what he says, right? In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works the all according to the counsel of his will. So Paul is saying, guys, this was a part of God's plan for me to be here. And part of the reason, actually, he writes this entire book it's, it's, it's not the main reason, but one of the reasons is people are confused. Like, how are we supposed to be optimistic and, and, uh, and encouraged in, in the midst of this? Let me read also the, the verse to reemphasize it that John read this morning. John, it's in Acts 20, verse 24. By the way, let's go up to 22. This is Paul's last speech. Guess what? To the Ephesian elders, my dearest friends. Let that soak in. He's giving this loving speech to the same guys he's writing to three or four years later after he's been maltreated in prison. He says, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. That's where he was in prison. That's where he went into a horrible situation. Affliction. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Scott, I'm sorry. Did you say five-star hotels? And hot coffee? I mean... God, I think you said imprisonment and affliction. You're the God who works all things after the counsel of your will. How can imprisonment and affliction be a part of your big plan? I mean, I don't get it. And then you say, be optimistic. It's awesome, this text. It's incredible. Imprisonment and afflictions await me. Verse 24, now this is the verse that John read. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to know who commissioned you, who Yahweh, the Lord Jesus, this was it, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what our text is today that Alexis read for us. Turn again in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and following. We start with here at the beginning, I'm, I'm sorry, I said 14, that was wrong, 7 through 13, of this gospel, 
So it's all about this good news of this gospel. I was made a minister. See the connection? Exactly what he said in uh, Acts 20, verse 24. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. And I think an emphasis on it would be kind of like this. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. So let's start there. And, and oh, look what he says. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Notice he says at the very beginning, it was given to me by the working of his power. Remember uh, in chapter 1, 19, it's a verse I emphasize quite a bit as well, 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And Paul says, that's the kind of power it takes to change me and make me into a servant of the gospel. He's into the power of God. Now, you and I know something about power, like I've told you many times. I respect power. It's kind of why I ride a motorcycle, because it feels so good. <laughs> I was riding this week, and I was thinking, you know, I don't know why, but you know, see, my motorcycle has about, about 97 horsepower. But there's a lot of bikes that they have that are, have like 140 or 170. And I'm thinking, why is it that I want one of those? <laughs> you know? And I was thinking, if I had all the money in the world, which one would I buy? I was literally thinking this. And then I reprimanded myself right while I was driving, thinking, wait a minute. This thing is 97 horsepower, and I can never even use that much power. I mean, you know, you, you have to look for ways to, you know, use it a little bit here and there uh, as you're passing people on the highway. I mean, you... This would never happen. But imagine, I mean, I'm going to tell you what kind of power this thing is. You're going along with this, the line of traffic, and you just, just a little bit on the throttle, you go from 65 to 95 like that. It's incredible. So much fun. But that has not happened. <laughs> well, once in a while it does, and then you look, oh, my goodness, look at that. Speed on that speedometer. Fortunately, Suzuki's speedometer is so horrible. They're like 10% off. So it'll say 95, and I'm going 10% less than that, which while you're going 95, it's hard to figure the math. So you figure, oh, I must be about 65. <laughs> Sorry. Power. Power is cool. John and I have been doing some work around the house, and somehow I lost all my framing hammers. All I have is a finish hammer. So it's been this joke for like two years. All I have is a 16-ounce hammer. I need a bigger hammer. I got I to get a bigger hammer. I got a 22-ounce, 26-ounce. I got to have a bigger hammer. It's just a joke. I don't really want one. But it's about, you know, how, how much power and force. I have here a uh, 
volcano right on, on, on the screen. Uh, this one uh, happens to be in South America. Uh, and th these are, you know, these are displays of power. Have you ever been to Yellowstone National Park? How many people have been there? Yeah. And as you come in, and the, you know, the main part of it is sort of this flat, bubbly area, Old Faithful and all those weird things going on there. They, they say that entire area is what's called a caldera, which is a spent volcano, which at one point that whole area was this massive volcano, and it Another place to go while you're in California. Go, well, you don't have time, but go to Mount Lassen, okay? And as you drive in, I, I think the last time I came in, like from Red Bluff, uh, off, off this little smaller road uh, into, toward the east to Mount Lassen. And as you literally ride in for miles in advance, you look over the, the fields and there's boulders strewn all over those fields, big, big rocks. And you know what that's from? It's from a vol the volcano, Mount Lassen, Volcanic National Park, blowing its top. Now I ask you, <laughs> does God display power? Absolutely. Uh, he puts a little power in, in petroleum that, that my Suzuki releases with a little tiny twist of my right hand. He puts so much power in geothermal power. More power would have been released at, in one of these huge eruptions than, than humanity. Okay, I'm just making stuff up here, but let's just think this is probably true. Than humanity virtually has ever been able to release. Even, you know, it's much bigger than our bombs, et cetera, et cetera. It's humongous power. And this is a display of who God is. And Paul is saying, that's the kind of power it takes to save a sinner. This is little. This is nothing. Why is that? It's because this great truth revealed in the book of Isaiah 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all of our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. I mean, it's really gross. It's literally a reference to like blood-soaked menstrual rags. You know, no, no offense here, but see, that's just kind of really gross. It's the kind of stuff that you'd want to put some gloves on before you throw it out. And what are those? Those are our righteous deeds. That's as good as you can get. You can't, can't please God. You can't do enough to pay for your sin. And this is 700 B.C. this was written. This isn't new information. This is the reality of what human beings are. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Paul, in fact, he called himself a, the chief of sinners. This is a picture of his favorite T-shirt. Amazing how we have this picture, but he used to wear this one. But seriously, he called himself the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy 1.15. I, I am, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Here he calls himself the least of all the saints. He's, he's, he's 
a failure. He's worthless. He's broken. He's a sinner. He's overwhelmed. And that's why when you read this, he says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Do you want to know what God is like? He's a God of grace. He's here to forgive you. I'm going to recycle the Facebook logo. <laughs> no permission has been granted to do this. But imagine if it was, it's the word forgiven. Forgiven. Paul is forgiven. How am I optimistic even in a cell? I'm forgiven. I'm not, this is not the end of the deal. I am in infl afflictions. Yes, I am being afflicted. And by the way, eventually he was beheaded. They, they, that means they took a sword and cut his head off. Decapitation. We think actually historically he probably was released from this imprisonment. Had some freedom. Maybe went to Spain. Did some more preaching. And then was rearrested and, and uh, beheaded. But he's forgiven. You see, how can you be? He says, look at the end of our text. This, by the way, is the thesis of today's sermon. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. He says, don't lose heart. Yes, I'm suffering. But in the big picture, it's happening. God's doing amazing things. And he is at work. And in him, we are optimistic. Because he's forgiven. But next, you know, he's, it's all about this commissioning. He's commissioned, right? He says, I was given this mission, this ministry by the Lord Jesus. I'm, of course I'm optimistic. He's given me this amazing thing to do. And this is so much, the middle of this paragraph, so rich, so much here. Each line deserves a sermon of its own. But I'm just kind of summarizing it, reading the paragraph. This is God's work. God's at work doing something. Look, let's look at the end before we go through the beginning. He says, verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, it's the only time this word, this particular word manifold uh, is used in the Bible. And it really means much varied, like a, a, a garment or a painting that has a whole bunch of different colors in it, multicolored, multifaceted. It, the, the work of God, the grace of God, the wisdom of God is manifesting itself in a great variety of forms. Right? He says, this is what I'm, I'm preaching and teaching, that God's work is way better than you can ever imagine. It's, it's, it's so big and so good, I don't mind suffering for it at all. The sovereign Lord, he's the one in control. He decides whether you're in prison or whether you're not in prison, whether you're afflicted or whether you're not afflicted. The point is, we're faithful, serving the Lord wherever the Lord places us. Again, verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold or much varied, multicolored, 
the great variety of forms, wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, dearest friends, he don't know what he's talking about there. In other words, it seems like he's talking about forces outside of our normal sphere. Uh, and, and a lot of times these are the negative forces like demons and Satan himself. In other words, God's, God's at work, Paul. He's using you. He's building his church so that his wisdom will be shown to forces that you don't even understand. Is God doing something that's, that's way bigger than us? Has he called us to be a part of this and to work for it and expect him to do great things regardless of how we feel about it? This is God's work. He's doing something. It's so cool, too, how he, he puts it here. Uh, verse uh, uh, 11. This was according to the eternal purpose. See, God made this plan before he created the earth, before he created anything. He's working his eternal purpose. Look at the rest. Verse 11. That he has realized. That's a past tense verb. He has realized this in Christ, in the Messiah, Christ Jesus, our Lord. So honestly, this is super exciting, guys. The gospel is worth all our efforts and even our suffering because we're stewards of God's grace. And God is working something big that we may not understand at all. And we're commissioned to do this thing. What is this thing? Well, in the text, and I'm just kind of going shorthand here. Let's look at the, the text. To me, he says, verse 8, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, that's my job. I'm here to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. How rich is Christ? How great is this gospel? You know, he, he has all the power and ability and moral right to save sinners by his work on the cross, by his grace. So it is the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what I'm here to proclaim. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So I'm not discouraged no matter where I am right now, because I'm still being used to preach the gospel, which is the unsearchable riches of Christ. It is the revelation of God's eternal plan. And this is the God who created all things. You can't get bigger and better than that, he says. And of course, as I said, the end of it is it displays the manifold wisdom of God to unknown powers, and it is already accomplished and realized through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not like it might happen. He's commissioned. He's commissioned. I have a picture here of an amazing sort of commissioning where uh, Bill Clinton is, is uh, giving uh, RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, bringing her into the Supreme Court of the United States of America. 
you know, regardless of wherever side you are politically, this is an am amazing privilege. It's an amazing commissioning. And to be given this power and uh, right and office to, to, you know, judge on huge issues that affect the wealthiest, most powerful, there's that power word again, uh, F-16 producing uh, nation, a friend of our, a former guy who used to sit in these pews, sent me a picture like a week and a half ago, his name was Jeremy Crookston, of him in, in piloting an F-16. And now that's old technology, I, granted, but I'm, I'm telling you, if you like power, think of the adrenaline rush <laughs> of, of, of taking off on a, these a fighter pilot, a fighter jet. Uh, amazing power, fantastic power. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg is in the highest court of the land. What a great privilege uh, this is. What a great moment in, in American history. This little, little uh, Jewish lady uh, was overlooked for a great part of her career. Now it's becoming a supreme in, in this court, the highest court in the land. You think Paul felt like less commissioned than RBG? Oh, wait. We can think that one over. Sorry, Nate. We fell asleep 10 minutes ago. Do you think Paul felt less important than Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Now, by the world standards, <laughs> by the earthly world standards, Paul, the Apostle Paul versus Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a toss-up. But, but Paul, in this list of this is my job, he's saying this is the, the supreme of the supreme. This far away is any... Paul didn't even dedicate his life to reforming the rotten Roman Empire. I mean, it was the worst. <laughs> you know, it was absolutely the worst in terms of human rights and, and, uh, and et cetera, right? We don't need to get into this. Paul was there to preach the good news of Jesus to the dying Gentiles and the Jews and anyone who will listen, because we are all the same. We have all, the word, uh, word of Scripture said, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. So I think our commission, we are commissioners, is, is much more important. Now, in other words, all that we are doing in our lives should make sense for this commissioning. Uh, when you raise your children, you, you are there to be a minister of this grace, of this gospel, to teach them about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Christ is all we need. He's more than all we need. He's more powerful than the biggest volcano you can imagine. It, this kind of power can take a sinner who deserves to rot away and shield in, in hell, in torment. That's all we deserve. He, he can take us, and as he raised Christ from the dead, he raises us and gives us this commission to preach the gospel. 
We're, we're, we're focused on knowing who God is, the creator God, and his, his eternal plan. He's going to work it all out together. Everything we do uh, er, should be related to this commissioning. You are all commissioned as servants of this gospel. It is God's eternal plan. Accomplished through Christ. It is, it is finished. It is accomplished. But finally, beyond this, the, our text closes with this phrase. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. So what I've seen in this text, I've seen that Paul says, don't lose heart because I have been forgiven. I'm the least of the saints and I've been commissioned to represent the, the best information, the eternal truth of salvation through Christ alone. But also, don't, don't be worried about me. I'm privileged. We're hugely privileged. This is am amazing what we have here. Verse 12, and I'm going to close with this. In whom, and that's proper English, it goes back to this title of, this person, Christ, Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Okay? That's humongous. Access is, is a, an important issue, you know? We're given the keys to God the Father. Uh, Paul said that in 2.18, look at 2.18. He says there, for through him we both, that's Jews and Gentiles, both have access in one spirit to the Father. There's that Trinity verse there. Through Jesus Christ, we, the church, have access through the Holy Spirit to the Father. Get that, let that soak in because uh, so many false teachers are trying to tell you that you need to go through an intermediary, that God's too far away, he's too busy to listen, and so we go through lower, like, demiurges, things that were pushed out by God that we climb, this is old, old Gnosticism, we, we climb through this whole level to finally get to God the Father. Access is a huge issue. We're privileged with access. He says, uh, don't, don't be overcome. Don't be discouraged. Don't be overwhelmed by your affliction. Your affliction doesn't take away your access to the Father. Through Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, you have access to God himself. Hebrews uh, 4.16, Hebrews 4, he, well, the book of Hebrews uh, is you know, just rich, rich. It's like, like a big box of Godiva chocolate. Really, so good. Better than seeds, you know. Uh, really, really, just amazing. Why do I say that? Well, here's an example. This is Hebrews four sixteen. 
Let us then, and notice this obvious parallel. Let me just, I just want to hit our verse again. Uh, read it quickly. We're looking at verse 12. In whom we have boldness. See, we don't, we don't cower. We don't go in and say, what if, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Have mercy on me. 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 It's okay to feel that way. But strengthen your faith in Jesus. He died for your sins. Okay, You're forgiven of your sins. So the gospel brings us to boldness. We just walk right in. Uh, you know, let's just try that in D.C. Just walk into the Oval Office, you know, and give Trump a, a, a talking to, you know. Just try to walk in there. It's not going to happen. You don't have access. You don't have the keys. But we have access to God the Father. Like, forget about it. Forget about Donald Trump. Forget about Nancy Pelosi. They're nothing. They're just very, very small. Very, very small. We're, we've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> we've got the big, beautiful salmon. Don't worry about the bluegill. They're all bony and they have scales on them. Salmon, you can eat the, the flesh. They're so good. I'm a hunger issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> bluegill are fine too, but you know. What I'm saying is, Paul is focusing in on, on the bigger picture. How am I operating? When it really gets down to the grind, when life really is hard, and I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything, and everything I've touched needs more attention, more attention, more attention, we just step back and say, well, this is God's work, and I'm trying to do whatever I can do, and it's, it's feeble and frail, but I do what I can do. I put it in his hands, and he takes care of the rest. He's the sovereign God. His plan is accomplished. And he asked me to be a part of it. So boldness, boldness. Let us, this is Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. How is God's grace defined? It's a throne. How is the throne defined? It is grace. It still is awesome. You're, you're not coming to damnation. You're not coming to rejection, which we fully deserve. But in Christ, in whom we have access, it's the throne of grace. And, and here it's a command. You draw near. Do this. With confidence you draw near. In the name of Jesus. Through the righteousness of Jesus alone. You're... Your flesh and the devil will keep whispering, no, you're a failure. No, you don't deserve to talk to God. No, you are a sinner. And you, you just boldly say, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. Can you say that with me? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's how we approach the Father. Yes, I'm unworthy, but he's fully worthy. I mean, that's the grace, the gospel, the good news. It far outshines anything else. Hebrews 4.16 Then let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he says, do not be discouraged. 
do not give up. He uses the same language two more times in Galatians and in 2 Thessalonians. He says, let us not grow weary. Same language. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So the, the call is to faithfulness. And then 2 Thessalonians says this, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. So then, this is what I'm saying. We are forgiven. As a believer, you are forgiven. It's so freeing. You don't earn your forgiveness. You receive it by faith. He's forgiven you of your sins though they be many. Paul carried this regret with him his whole life. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. I am the least of the saints. He had people killed for their faith. He was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. He was going to Damascus with letters from the high priest authorities in Jerusalem. It's a long trip to Damascus. He was going to go to the synagogue and ferret out anybody who believed in Jesus the Messiah and then bind them and take them back bound to Jerusalem. And he's not talking about some sort of metaphor. He was going to drag them back in chains to face the, the uh, authorities. I wanted to say uh, the, the capricious authorities, the ultimate authority of the Jewish authorities, there in Jerusalem, they list, they operated under, under the Roman law, but several people were stoned. We know this in the process. They were killed, murdered uh, in the process that Paul was actually participating in. What am I saying? He's a sinner, but he's forgiven. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to give up. I'm forgiven. You know? It's so awesome. I'm here in this cell, but I don't have to send, spend eternity in a cell. This is just light momentary. Those are his words. Light and momentary. And next he says, I'm commissioned. I'm a part of a thing that is a thing. <laughs> I'm a part of something that's way bigger than me. It's, I'm a part of something God is doing. And if God decides that I'm a minor player in it, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. He's God. He knows what he's doing. And I've got the best, best thing to preach. So I'm forgiven, commissioned, and, and privileged. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Watch for this, dear friends. Satan whispers discouragement into our hearts. He says, give up, quit, give in to fleshly desires. You know, believe something else other than this. Hold on, old soldier. Hold on. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for your power that was revealed in your love through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He, he paid the price for our sins. We thank you for that. We thank you that you tapped us and commissioned us all to be your ministers, to be your servants, uh, to preach and to teach this great grace. Help us to preserve this grace and 
to pass it on and to preach it, Lord, I pray. And then, Lord, help us to realize our privilege. It can be overwhelming when we think how privileged we are, but help us to realize that you've paid the price so that we, with boldness and confidence, can have access to the Heavenly Father. Help us to use that. Help us to utilize that access to pray, to bring others to the throne of grace, to find help and mercy in our time of need. So thank you, Lord, and receive our worship. We love you and appreciate your love for us through Jesus and in his name alone. Amen.